this month on Now We Know. He was able to realize from his own experience that an arbitrary system had been designed to reinforce the sense of inferiority of every Black person, a system that was designed to make them believe that nature had made them inferior to white people, and his job was to blow up that system. What to the slave is the 4th of July? I'm Donna Green. And I'm Jonathan Stokes. And this is Now We Know. The monthly podcast where we unpack and repack our Black history as you relate it to the world of today. What didn't we learn? What do we want to learn? What do we need to revisit to establish the historical truth and not just what we were taught? We're here to learn and grow together as a community with the intention of bringing awareness to better our futures. Hello. Hi. How's it going? It's going. Um, yeah. We're recording in a weird time in, in American history. Um, so if you're listening to this in the future, um, it's been a weird, it's just a weird time. 72 but, hours. Yeah. 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 But uh, on the bright side, we got to learn about someone who's really interesting and we have to keep moving forward. Right. So we do. And how are you? Well, I'm good. Um, I am excited about this episode because as we were even planning for it, you know, I recognize the name. I think a lot of people recognize the name, but maybe don't understand the depth um, or the gravity to which this person was so influential. Um, and maybe I'm just speaking for myself, so not trying to project my ignorance on that one, but, um, I'm excited about it. No, I, you know, we, we briefly talked about, oh, this is someone who everyone knows about, but I also was like, I think everyone else knows about this person in depth because I see their name all the time. Like I, I've seen their picture all the time, but there is something about, uh, Frederick Douglass that, for isn't brought up because I think that there's no one story to tell. It's just like a huge, massive, he's everywhere. He's doing everything type person. And when it comes to at least how I learned history, especially black history, we got three weeks. We need a beginning, middle, end. This is what they did. You know, the water turned to wine next, you know? And right. so I think that Frederick Douglass might've been too quote unquote much to to introduce at a young age and then at a certain time in the educational journey, uh, Black History Month turns away from lessons and turns into posters in the cafeteria and you kind of move on. So, right. You know. Which is not appropriate. You know, it's not enough. It's never enough. That's a, exactly why we do our podcast yeah. because we need to go deeper and we need more than a month because for us, it's literally every day. So y'all probably caught it a little bit. We're going to be talking about Frederick Douglass. Um, and for those who might have that sort of overview of who he was, Frederick Douglass originally named Frederick Augustus Washington Bailey, born in February of 1818 in Talbot County, Maryland. He died February 20th of 1895 in Washington, D.C. He was an African-American abolitionist, orator, newspaper publisher, and author who is famous for his first autobiography, Narrative of the Life of Frederick Douglass, an American Slave, written by himself. He became the first Black U.S. Marshal and was the most photographed American of the 19th century. 
So we uh, watched this documentary on HBO about uh, Frederick Douglass, specifically it's named um, In Five Speeches, uh, In Five Speeches, because it goes over the really sort of not even just life-changing, it's history-changing speeches that he gave. And what I really appreciated about the documentary is that they incorporated multiple people um, in the narration of the documentary um, from kind of like that main character of Frederick Douglass, but then also different people for his five main speeches. So it really kind of breaks it out into each period of time. What did you think about the documentary? I was blown away. Um, I really, it's like, I'm sad that that ended up on HBO and ended up uh, all the way out of my algorithm. Um, Mm. Probably was there in February, but I missed it because I don't know, opening up the Black Voices tab and seeing 12 Years a Slave, like, doesn't make me want to look through the rest of it. But it was so well done. It was really beautiful. And um, like you said, like, uh, it was about five major speeches there were a lot more of course but what they did with these speeches was kind of use it as a timeline for his life which Mm -hmm. to me was interesting because some of the stuff I didn't know beforehand Um, but then on the other hand it was just entertaining because of who they chose to be a part of it Um, the actors that read it and performed the speeches from a, a 20 what I, I'm guessing it came out in 2022 um, from like a 2020 lens or whatever, whenever they filmed it, it, it was did. so it came out in 2022. Yeah. So it was, it was really, really cool. And I really want everyone to watch it. I, it's only an hour, which is painless. And right. I don't know, it's our history, you know? What was the most profound part to you? So of course it was the speech about 4th of July. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that there's a general sense of who, or rather there's a general sense of how Frederick Douglass thought and he expressed that in his speeches. And what's interesting and and disheartening a little bit is that he speaks to my own sensibilities today. Mm. Um, Obviously using different language, obviously under different circumstances, but when I'm listening to, to what he said or what he wrote, it's just like, okay, that's real, you know? And it's amazing that that was supposed to be so amazing that he was like, no, actually slavery sucks. <laughs> like, right. I don't know what you guys are wanting me to say. Like slavery sucks. And that was revolutionary at the time. And it's not a headspace that I can actually get into to say that that's revolutionary. It's almost like how I feel about people who were, were gay in the open before gay rights like it's just like I'm so in my time and so in the cultures that I've been through that it blows my mind that saying slavery sucks (laughs) or gay people are real people or even now black people are people it's it's wild to me that that has to be said so anyway right um I think that fourth of July poem you know he knew he got the girls together um he did a great job (laughs) Um, yeah, that was my, that one took my breath away. How about you? So, um, I, I agree. It was really profound to learn more about Frederick Douglass, but then also understanding the lengths that he took to not, not even just free himself. Like that is a, obviously a major, um, turning point in, 
in his life and clearly for the lives and for generations to come of other enslaved black people at the time. And um, what I thought was really profound is that the lengths that he took to even just teach himself how to read um, from what I gathered from the documentary, he would trade bread for reading lessons of the Bible. And then eventually um, you know, his enslaver was like, absolutely not. You can't be doing that. Like, you know, um, and especially as the, um, the mistress was like teaching him how to read as well. So it just was, everyone was kind of getting in on it until, you know, he got found out and then he couldn't do that anymore. Um, maybe I was shocked that he also, well, he probably unfortunately was punished for that, but, um, I don't remember them referencing that in the documentary. Um, but then ultimately how it was September of 1838 where he dressed as a sailor with his identification papers of a free man hopped on a moving train from Maryland to New York and said, I'm not looking back. And that's really the turning point of the rest of his career and his incredible influence for the abolitionist, the abolitionist movement. Yeah. That was that was crazy. I think there's a general um, ego that hap- that is, uh, you know, carrying him through a lot of his bold action because I'm like, how? But yeah. I guess if the option is like, I could either stay here and be in hell or I could be caught and be in hell. Why not mm-hmm. try? I guess one would try once they get yeah. confident enough. They mentioned that as well. It's like to do such bold and... Uh, influential things, one must be very bold or of a certain mindset. And Frederick Douglass was it. Like, and maybe to a fault, because I also, you know, watching the documentary, learned about um, his wife, that he was married for 44 years, right? Yes, it it sucks, but these people are also people too. So yeah, he was married. Um, What was her name? Do you know her name? Anna. Anna. Um, yeah. Married to Hannah for a long while. And I think it's like celebrity, you know, it's like, I got work to do. I'm a man. I'm an attractive man getting more power. Like, what do you think is going to happen? You know? Right. Um, but it is shocking to be this far into the game, AKA 2022 and have never thought about her to be honest. That's, that says a lot. I had no idea he was married. Granted, I didn't know a whole lot about him anyway. Um, and we kind of later learn, maybe we'll save that that piece for later about um, after his wife passed away and, and what happened next. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that's how um, he was able to do so well because he it's almost like a boundary for better or for worse, but he kind of set that boundary of like, listen, I got work to do and we have people to free. So yeah. I will see you later. And it, it it's unfortunate for the wife. I could not be in that position. My insecurities would be exacerbated. <laughs> However, <laughs> he needed to get a job done and he definitely did that. It's interesting that that's how he that's how he kind of treated his wife, like as mm-hmm. a background character when he was also a prolific women's rights activist. Yeah. Um it's it's also just kind of interesting um i mean again context 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 so shit shit was bad <laughs> like that's right. the, that's the short version um he 
when I learned about Frederick Douglass, I learned about him attending the first women's rights conviction convention in Seneca Falls. And that was with uh, Susan B. Anthony. And I honestly mm-hmm. learned about it by way of learning that Susan B. Anthony is no friend of ours. Uh, but he also in that group that went to that convention out of like 300 or so people, he was one of 32 men and the only one who said that women should have voting rights. So it's like mm. him and women, um, complicated relationship. And I, and the reason that he, he supported women's rights, um, to voting and whatnot, and then actually ended up kind of in a debate back and forth about it because he argued that black men really need to, get a vote, you know, because of the violence and the fact that they're thought of as property and the Mm -hmm. women's group um, was kind of more focused on women's rights, AKA rich white women's rights um, because a lot of their outlines of what they wanted um, involved like property and things that only rich white women would even have access to. Mm -hmm. Um, So that that made Frederick Douglass kind of veer towards, okay, but uh, in a larger sense, it looks like everybody needs rights. I can't hone in on women's rights because y'all are excluding people. Exactly. Um, yeah. And then after that, Susan B. Anthony was like, I'd cut off my arm before I let a Negro vote, you know, or whatever. I'm sure she used um, more colorful language than that. Oh, absolutely. We, I have no doubt. Like you didn't have to tell me, but I, I, I have no doubt. <laughs> What was really compelling of uh, just learning more about Frederick Douglass as well was um, how everyone was so impressed by how he was able to get someone's attention, disarm them um, by the way that he spoke Mm -hmm. so eloquently and what he was speaking about. Um, But also there was this element of, well, are you really a former enslaved person Mm. because you speak so well? Like, how do you speak so well if you were actually enslaved? Like there's some backlash there or some maybe skepticism, which if you compare that to nowadays, it's like the proximity to whiteness, right? The speaking eloquently or speaking well and um, the verbiage that you use, the tone of voice or kind of how your voice comes across and things like that. It's again, that proximity to whiteness, which they use back then and now to sort of diminish your blackness in a sense to say that you're not really black. And so in that time, it's like you weren't really enslaved. And, um, you know, he, he also addresses that in his speeches to say, you know, I've had those lashings and I know what that pain is. And um, I appreciate that. He's like, don't get it twisted. I know where I come from and that's why I'm doing what I do because I know what y'all are still doing and you need to stop. Right. Simply put, I think Mm -hmm. it's also really interesting. That piece um, is really interesting because like you said, you see it today and you'd think that some of that would have gone away. And I know that came from both sides of his life. He was also mixed race. So that adds, you know, some color into the way that he was perceived by a lot of different types of people as well. Mm. Um, but yeah, like you said, the proximity to whiteness, I mean, I'm going to use a, a, a weird uh, specific example, but there's a lot of conversations about the RuPaul drag, drag race winners and their success after the show and mm. um, the black queens, why certain black queens end up 
uh, becoming more successful in a lot of the conversation. Not saying that Simone is Frank Douglas by any means, but a lot of the conversation is zeroing in on the same things that were zeroed in when it came to Frederick Douglass. The, pro- mm-hmm. the proximity to whiteness, the ability to read and write and things like that. And if you if you read any or hear any of uh, Frederick Douglass, Frederick Douglass's speeches, there's a lot of color in his speech. There's a lot of um, imaginative uh, like uh, examples or, or he really paint, he really sets a scene. That's all I want to say. <laughs> he sets a scene with his words. He does a lot of emotional work, a lot of pathos, right? And he really draws you in. And I can't help but to think that that aspect of storytelling and speech is black like that is that is i think that is how black people connected and and learned was through this storytelling through song and story and all this stuff and that frederick Douglass took that and mixed it with what he had learned about building arguments you know it's like he is speaking in a colorful way and telling stories and whatnot but he's also fully creating arguments that are difficult to dispute Exactly. And but it's it's true. That is exactly how he um, conveyed the message through storytelling, storytelling. But also, if you put in the context of the time that it was, enslaved people weren't allowed to read or write or really learn anything um, that would be beneficial. And to the note, you know, back how I mentioned how the um, the enslaver, the the man was like, absolutely not. Like, we're not teaching him the ABCs. That's what his, his wife was doing or his mistress was doing. Um, he said that it was unlawful, unsafe, unmanageable, and had no value to teach an enslaved person how to <laughs> read or write. And really, if you relate that to now, they didn't want that. They want to limit education because one who is educated also makes better decisions and realizes the truth of what's going on and doesn't accept the bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. I forget who it was, but I I think it was uh, the comedian Yamanika Saunders, one of my favorite people. And she said something like, uh, if knowledge wasn't, oh, you know what? She was talking about voting. And she said, if a vote didn't matter, they wouldn't be trying so hard to keep you away from it. 100%. And it's just like education. You know, it's like, if that didn't matter, you wouldn't be in so many ways <laughs> guarded from getting that, you know? Exactly. And he got that. Yeah, 100%. And Frederick was really, uh, really the the speech that we want to focus on even today or, you know, in this episode is, granted, we're, you know, recording just before the 4th of July. And again, the speech is called to what, um, what to the slave is the 4th of July. We want to focus on that because there is a bigger emphasis on Juneteenth for us as Freedom Day. Um, because that was the day that finally the news made it down to Texas about how slavery was abolished two and a half years ago. And um, finally the Texas um, enslaved people were released and freed and they were like, okay, cool, peace, we're out. And so that is becoming more of a focus um, as we sort of regain our power and 
gain more knowledge about our history for us as Black people to celebrate that day. I do have a question for you. Mm-hmm. Growing up, did you ever celebrate like 4th of July? Yes. Not in a patriotic way, though. In mm-hmm. a traditional in a tradition way, like we're going downtown, we're getting ice cream cones, we're sitting on top of the car, we're watching the fireworks, not mm-hmm. in a like, yay, America, you know, like, yeah, never, ever that. What about you? Same. So two things. It's also, it's my sister's birthday. So first and foremost, it's celebrating my sister's birthday. But part of that also was that, okay, we can go and watch the fireworks. It's kind of like, uh, it's the way that I view Christmas. So it's not from that religious standpoint. In this case, it's not in this patriotic standpoint. It's um, from a, this is a holiday. I want to celebrate it. I understand the origins or the purpose of it, but I see it more as a celebratory um, sort of thing with my friends and family to time with your friends and family um, to have a good time. And you can still enjoy, you know, what happens, but bigger than that was it's my sister's birthday and there's some really cool fireworks going on, you know? Right. Right. I don't know a lot of, um, black families that are black people that celebrate 4th of July in the way that I've seen white people celebrate 4th of July. For instance, I used to work at a brewery that was super patriotic, like NASCAR placements, NFL, all that kind of stuff. And so there was red, white, and blue just everywhere. And the way that I saw people celebrating, like, and I also went to PWI schools my entire life, but I had never seen this amount of patriotism happen. Mm-hmm. The, the, I'm taking off a week because we're going to the lake. Um, I'm, I'm renting a boat, you know, I'm doing all these things. I'm like, for what? Like, like I'm, I'm so going confused. to grandpapa's mansion in <laughs> for America. And I'm like, yeah. I'm so confused. I've never seen that amount of care. And I wonder if it is the patriotism or if I'm just perceiving it as patriotism, because in my mind, it's like, yeah, if we get to go downtown to see the fireworks, we do that. Or we could just stay in air conditioning. Like, you know what I mean? I, I, I don't know what it really is, but to me, because of January 6th and just Mm -hmm. kind of seeing, you know, more and more things online. I'm starting to think it was patriotism. I think that there are people who are like, woo, 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 America for realsies. (laughs) That's weird to me. But the thing is that, you know, we, we gained our independence and by we, I mean, y'all gained your independence from Great Britain Mm -hmm. in 1776. Mm Mm-hmm. And here it is, 1852, on July 4th, when Frederick Douglass was invited to speak at Corinthian Hall, which was still 11 years prior to the Emancipation Proclamation, a.k.a. the 13th Amendment. Um, And 13 years before Juneteenth actually happened, before everyone was for real free, right? (laughs) Not even for real free, because we can... Anyway, I'm not going to go on the... It's not even a tangent. It's very, very real and very relevant of how it doesn't really work that way because there's still ways to enslave people um, through incarceration, et cetera. Anyway, but to focus on the speech. So a lot of the speeches that Frederick Douglass gave, um, he is really displaying how it's a a disservice to society to silence the voices and the experiences of enslaved people. And so as he comes out for these speeches, he 
has this dichotomy of recognizing like, hey, I'm kind of nervous to be here because I'm speaking in front of a bunch of people that don't look like me, who question who I am, who don't believe me. But what do I have to lose? Because you could send me back to that plantation, but that's even worse than standing here and telling my uh, and not telling my truth. What I like about part of the, um, I've got a couple quotes that I snippet from the, from the speech also. He says, this for the purpose of the celebration is the 4th of July. It is the birthday of your national independence and of your political freedom. This to you is what the Passover was to the emancipated people of God. 76 years, though a good old age for a man, is but a mere speck in the life of a nation. Three score years and 10 is the allotted time for individual men, but nations number their years by thousands. The American church is guilty when viewed in connection with what it is doing to uphold slavery, but it is superlatively guilty when viewed in connection with its ability to abolish slavery. To side with the right against the wrong, with the weak against the strong, and with the oppressed against the oppressor. It is, you know what? So I pulled, I pulled some quotes and it, it, it is that. Um, it is the thing about his speech that I think really hit home is that he does call out the forefathers. He explicitly calls out the church and he calls out the connection in government and it should not feel so relevant. Mm-hmm. It should not feel so relevant. This is when America was 76 years old and we're still like these words shouldn't hit. That's uh, it's alarming. Um, And along with his his calling them out, one of my favorite things was that he got this platform to tell his stories. And I know that slave stories are you know, they're kind of plentiful, to be honest, like, there are written documentations of the life of a slave and things like that. But to be able to to speak to it in the mix of this speech and be asked to do it as well, mm-hmm. was, I mean, harrowing. One of the pieces that I really enjoyed, um, that spoke to the people about his experience, he, he just said, uh, the distance between this platform and the slave plantation from which I escaped is considerable. And the difficulties to be overcome in getting from the latter to the former are by no means slight. That I'm here today, to me, is a matter of astonishment as well as of gratitude. And it just, go, it does go on and on. Um, mm-hmm. That sentiment is brought up uh, multiple times throughout the speech. But I think that him being able to speak truth to power right away, to speak on about the, the horrendous situation, like when he describes the, um, the selling of bodies, the way that people are treated, you know, he emphasizes that these are people and they're treated like property. Mm-hmm. And we're not, we're 76 years in and this is what we've done. You know, it's like... Mm-hmm. brave (laughs) brave is brave is not strong enough of a word but wow but he's right it's how do you you know not only do you get your quote-unquote freedom from britain or from the british but then you create a constitution 13 14 years later and you talk about okay this is the constitution everyone's free you get this and that, you know, your constitutional rights. However, 
in the way that you would say it, however, comma, <laughs> you would, they were like, no, like, but this doesn't include black people and At it doesn't all. include women. And so what boggles my mind too, when like women are so diehard about, oh my God, the constitution, I'm like, girlfriend, you are- if you don't see that the constitution in its originality didn't include you either at all not never not nowhere like you weren't about to be in there either so what are you talking about what are you holding up so like just righteously about the constitution as it was originally written and particularly now when they're like oh you know abortion was not part of the constitution and i realize this episode is not about abortion but we're recording mere hours days, whatever, after Roe v. Wade was finally overturned. And I don't want to say finally. Roe v. Wade was officially overturned. So it's got everyone up in arms about it, those who are anti-abortion, who are like, thank goodness we're saving our country. And then there are people like us who are pro-choice who are like, what the hell are y'all doing? It's... Anyway. I I saw videos of, of women cheering about it and i was like for the loss of rights for healthcare for like, you what are y'all happy about <laughs> anyway i digress i digress <laughs> however still talking about the constitution in quote unquote all its glory hmm. when it does not include you is fucking weird okay it like it <laughs> makes no sense so if you want to get rid of all the things that were protected under roe v wade we can do that, and you're about to be real sad. Dude, I don't think people get that, but that's I, – I honestly think – and I think about, like, Susan B. Anthony and, like, all these these people who are turncoats, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, you said you were here for it. You're, you're only here for a certain section of it. Um, we can't ignore the role that patriarchy and white supremacy plays in all these decisions, you know? like, exactly. And that's – that's another reason why 4th of July has never been really a holiday for me ever. Yeah. It's like, this doesn't, like you said, like this doesn't include me. There's nothing right. about the stars and stripes and uncle Sam and all this stuff. The military flying overhead does not soothe me in the least bit. You know, like this has never been for me. It's not going to suddenly be for me because I'm on the clock and I'm selling beer. Right. Like it's not, it's never been for me. Did you celebrate Juneteenth this year? I sure did. I had a Juneteenth party and I will be having one every year from now on just because that's technically my Independence Day. Yeah. And I wish that I had been doing it earlier. And, you know, I wish, I wish, I whatever, like we can be mad at ourselves for not knowing. I'm glad I'm doing it now. Gonna be doing it, you know, until I get tired of having people over. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, yeah. I love it. I love the idea of celebrating independence. I kind of get why people go to the lake and get those ugly reflective sunglasses, you know, the January 6th Johns, and they mm-hmm. go and have their fun. Um, so Juneteenth will serve as that for me, I hope, you know, if I ever yeah. get get really into standing outside in the summer. I did celebrate Juneteenth this year as well, and I had gray. And so mm-hmm. um, there were two celebrations that we went to. One was a community event that was a lot of, um, 
there's a lot of performances and a lot of vendors and it was like really beautiful. I mean, we could only last a couple hours at a toddler and it was nap time, but we had a good time. Um, Gray particularly enjoyed the bouncy house, obviously he's Mm -hmm. four, (laughs) but um, so we did that. And then um, that was on Saturday, the 18th. And then on the 19th, um, there was another celebration at the botanical gardens, um, Idaho botanical gardens. And um, what I, what I appreciate about the local organizers, there's Juneteenth, Idaho. Um, gosh, I, I, I don't have all of the names off the top of my head, but what I will say is that the way that these organizers come together and put together a beautiful event, it was really memorable. And so, um, you know, you enter, they give you a food ticket, you know, they're like, we want everyone, all of our people to eat for free. So mm-hmm. go and get you something to eat. Right. Um, and then they had, you know, different games out, um, like cornhole and just kind of fun, like yard games. And then there was a bouncy house, which Gray obviously went to again. Um, but being in the botanical garden, it um, had different parts of the garden with the different activities. So there was African dance, there was an African food vendor, um, there was... Um, my favorite part, this area where you could create your own bouquet of flowers. And um, so just buckets of flowers, like throughout this whole garden, they're like, pick up some, get you some ribbon, some shears, cut them, you know, make it pretty, like make it yours, it's for you. Um, gosh, what else do they have? Obviously, you know, there's music going and everything too, and probably more that I, I can't recall um, at the time or I didn't get to maybe experience. Um and then lastly, on our way out, there was there were gifts for everyone, um, all black owned uh, authors or products or um, toys. Gray picked up a black Barbie doll. He was like, she's cute. Mm. And I was like, go ahead, baby. She's you, yours. You pick you. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Um, yeah. And I'm like, I, I love it. So um, it just, it was so thoughtful. And honestly, I was glad to see that there were some products that I already purchased or items that I already purchased that were there. And I'm like, okay. I feel like I'm I'm doing our people good. <laughs> like, that That's awesome. Like, yeah. So That's it really was, good. That was a celebration. That was thoughtful and um considerate and um loving and just really a beautiful event. Um and I sent a, a note to the organizers after. Of course, I donated uh, donated some money to them as well for all of their efforts. And um yeah, that was that was a highlight for sure. That is that sounds beautiful. I don't know about our city's um, uh, programs, but uh, gonna write some of those things down and look around for them. I think that sounds awesome. Yeah, or maybe next year you'll take a trip um, like everybody else does for July Fourth, and you'll be out here for Juneteenth. <laughs> that would be cool. <laughs> we'll we'll be get cool. a boat. <laughs> I love I love a botanical <laughs> garden walkthrough. I yeah. love that, and I have I've also seen. Um, some organizers in Idaho, because we watched a uh, Facebook live stream um, that was put on by the university, right? Um, Almost supposed to be at the university. So the local organizers were like, thank you for screwing this over. And we're still going to do this Um, with Angela Davis speaking. Yeah. Yeah. They do. They really do super well. And also because um, and I think this is, uh, you know, maybe a part that kind of gets lost or not lost, but 
It's true. It's lost sometimes or it's forgotten the respect that is truly due to Native Americans because we are on Native land, right? Mm -hmm. And so what I do appreciate about um, the organizers here um, is that they also have a very big emphasis on, hey, we're not going to forget about our Native um, brothers and sisters, um, also because they have Native leaders that, you know, collaborate with these same events. And so it's a, it's, they create space for everyone, um, for all the marginalized people. So it's, it's nice. That's really nice. Now, because you've had this, this experience, how are you, how are you moving forward celebrating independence in the summer? Will it still be 4th of July fireworks or is it going to be both things? Are you moving completely to Juneteenth? Like, how do you feel about celebrating these days moving forward? You know, I do actually have some conflicted feelings now that actually arose on Saturday. I went to a friend's um, birthday party for their their kids and they're like, okay, we're going to do something for July 4th too. Like you guys are obviously in bio. It's like, okay, yeah, we'll be there because I have Gray and you know, this is Grace. These are Gray's friends and I know it'll be a good time in terms of, hey, we are having time with our friends like we normally would on a random Tuesday in October, like same thing. Um, so I will continue to take gray, obviously to Juneteenth events, um, for July 4th, again, it had not been a priority or this sort of like emphasized holiday outside of my sister's birthday. Um, and honestly, last year, I don't think we really did anything. I don't think we did anything actually. Um, COVID. The only thing that I would like is for Gray to maybe see the fireworks because he's a kid. Like, yeah, that's the he fun part. It's the Sparklers. coolest thing ever, yeah. right? It's just it's hard for Idaho because the sun doesn't set until ten o'clock mm. over the summer, so it gets mm. late. But um, so I'll be fine with you know that aspect of like, okay, we might spend time with friends, but it's not really going to be emphasized of like America and. Yeah. you know, right. it's not going to be that kind of celebration. Yeah. What about you? Um, in the same boat. Um, since mm-hmm. I've basically never really cared about July 4th and I think it, it got more and more emphasized as I became like a young adult and seeing who is really going hard for 4th of July. I was like, this is, this is definitely for me. I knew it, mm-hmm. it smelled like it wasn't for me, but now that I've tasted it, and no thanks. Yeah. Um, but I think I think that Juneteenth, celebrating Juneteenth feels more right. Um, it's not like there won't be fireworks and I'm gonna like I'm not gonna look away when there's fireworks and I'm not gonna say no to a hot dog, but I'm not right. um I it's just it's been low on the rung when it comes to celebrations, period. And you know, I'm on my Frederick Douglass right now. Mm-hmm. This is nothing for me. There's actually a quick quote that really stood out to me, just as it almost sounded like something that me and my friends have said in conversation. Um, and it's the beginning of, well, you know what? You guys need to read this speech or see it performed because there's a certain there's a certain um, thing that you get from quotes and then having a full picture of the piece it it enters your body how about that like it's it resonates yes it is more strongly it is necessary so if you have the time give it a read 
or give it a listen, whatever it is. But this one piece that that stood out to me was uh, fellow citizens above your natural or uh, above your national tumultuous joy. I hear the moanful wail of millions whose chains heavy and grievous yesterday are today rendered more intolerable by the jubilee shouts that reach them. Mm. Why is that 2022? Yeah. Like, what are it's you like, smiling about? Yeah, like y'all are super, super happy and that's cute. But like, there's so people who are suffering. Yeah. I asked you this about MLK back in January of 2021 when we did our episode on him. Ooh. So what do you think Frederick Douglass would say about where we're at today? Ooh. First of all, he'd be so tired mm-hmm. um, being, being uh, hundreds of years old and all. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> um, no, I mean, I think because he sounds like he's in the group chat in his speeches, his understanding of where things are versus where they should be looking at 2022 would be so disappointing. I mean, mm-hmm. If it didn't, if it didn't just permeate and and remain consistent from slave slavery days till now, um, if it hasn't just been consistent, it's definitely been bubbling back up. That hatred has become even more violent, uh, even more publicly discussed, um, and in your face. You know, there mm-hmm. recently was a politician talking about a win for white life, and it's like where are we (laughs) like how long has america been around how is this happening right i think that he would he would be with the rest of us tweeting being sad and and giving more speeches like fighting more fights he'd probably have to be a little bit more radical i totally agree all right donna it's time for now Now you you know. know Donovan, I'm so excited to share my Now You Know with you because I think you're going to appreciate the influence that uh, you have had on me in this segment. I think it's really going to speak to your soul, okay? Okay. So, in memory of the 13th anniversary of Michael Jackson's death, June 25th, 2009, this record sold over 20 million copies. It swept across the world, ranking in accolades and revenue and becoming the first single ever to be certified as multi-platinum. Three Grammys, an American, an American Music Award, and a People's Choice Award were bestowed upon this single. But most importantly, it raised more than $63 million. I'll tell you where in just a second. Sung and written by Michael Jackson and Lionel Richie, including vocal performances by Ray Charles, Billy Joel, Diana Ross, Cindy Lauper, Bruce Springsteen, and Tina Turner, and produced by Quincy Jones and Michael Omartian. Omartian? I don't know. <laughs> Michael Omartian. But I know or- the song. <laughs> Jonathan, do you know which hit single from 1985 I'm referring to? I'm Join me guess. if you know it. Okay. <laughs> we are the world. <laughs> we are, we the, are children. the children. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. 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 USA for Africa. We are the world. 
The idea for this single was originated by activist Harry Belafonte. The king of Calypso was a king contributor moving forward as well, responsible in part for bringing Michael Jackson and Lionel Richie on board to write the single. One of the song's two producers was legendary 28-time Grammy Award winner Quincy Jones. Among the singers on the track were soloists Stevie Wonder, Tina Turner, Diana Ross, and Dionne Warwick, as well as chorus members like Smokey Robinson, the Pointer Sisters, and several of the Jackson siblings. Baby, they pulled mm-hmm. them out. <laughs> that is yes. such a throwback. I love that. It, do you remember when they did... Um, when they did the newer version of that, I forget who actually wrote it. Um, yeah, I have that here. So it was after the earthquake that devastated Haiti in 2010, the mm. song was re-recorded. Um, notable Black artists for the new release included Jennifer Hudson, Mary J. Blige, Janet Jackson, Usher, T-Pain, Kanye West, and many more. So for some reason, that list sounds crazy. It does <laughs> no, sound crazy, like, especially in this era of Kanye West. Right. But hey, it gets her done. I love that. I love that song. I remember watching that video of all of them looking so over it, (laughs) recording that song. (laughs) Michael Jackson looking so over it at certain solos. But Mm. uh, what a moment in entertainment history. It is a beautiful song. I listened to it like eight times when I was looking for my Now You Know. And I was like, I cannot wait to share this with Jonathan. He's going to be so excited um, about this with the music influence. I know, you know, that kind of like yes. pop culture thing. And um, particularly if you look at some of the lyrics, which I had to pull up because it's one of those songs where it's like, you know, the lyrics, you can probably hum along because you can guess it, but maybe you haven't actually read the lyrics. Um, so... It goes, I was going to try and sing it, but I'm not going to sing it. We are the world. We are the children. We are the ones who make a brighter day. So let's start giving. There's a choice we're making. We're saving our own lives. It's true. We'll make a better day. Just you and me. This is such a cute song. I'm going to listen to it after we're done. Actually, I got to watch the video. It's all about the I wanted to play it, but... We don't have the rights and not that we have like the biggest audience, but also don't want to be sued. So yeah, not interested in getting sued. Well, I love that. How fun. Yeah. Um, sure now, you know, way less fun, <laughs> but, but life changing. Uh, mine is a book. Um, mm. I finally, finally, finally read my first bell hooks full published piece like I've I've read articles and things like that but I finally got a chance to read through the whole book uh, or one of her entire books and it was The Will to Change and The Will to Change is part of a three-part love series that she wrote I think one is about about, uh, women one is about black people in love and then this one is about men masculinity and love it's basically about the patriarchy and I can't tell you how much this book has opened my eyes not to things that I hadn't seen before but it allowed me to name what I've seen or what I'm seeing Um, a lot of different types of people are represented in the book it's not just straight hetero men um, or straight hetero men it's straight cisgendered men Um, it's anyone who identifies as a man they they explicitly call out uh, gay folks as well um, and different the differences in lifestyle and choices and things like that it is such 
a great book. I will be moving forward through the rest of the series uh, to learn about women in love and black folks in love. And um, I think that Bell Hooks just did a bang up job. So if you had not read that and you are a man, love a man, have loved a man, are a parent to someone who might be called a man one day, read this book. Um, mm-hmm. The chapter on boyhood was insane. Donna, for real, might be something that you should look into. It is it is so real. Um, there's section about loving men and talking about sex and sexuality and how masculinity and the patriarchy have affected how people even relate on a sexual basis, like the mm-hmm. most basic of needs, right? Um, it is fantastic. So I am on the other side of uh, Bell Hooks education. So if you have also walked through that <laughs> walked through that journey, um, I am with you now. I totally get it. And yeah, it's totally inspired me to continue learning about the ways that we've been taught to be who we are and question everything. And uh, yeah, that's my, now you know, I urge you to read it. Beautiful. <laughs> and, and now, now you, you know. know. Of course, you guys, we will drop all of the links to the sources and resources that we have used for the production of this episode in the show notes. So be sure to check that out for the content of the episode, but also for our Now You Know segment. We appreciate y'all for joining us each and every month. If you think that more people can benefit from this conversation, please be sure to share the podcast with a friend or family member. Also, don't forget to leave a review and subscribe to Now We Know wherever you listen. You can find me on Instagram at Donna Janine, or if you want to drop us a note, any feedback, or maybe suggestions on people that you'd like us to cover, send us an email at realrelatablepodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening.